Hi, I'm Alan Altman. And I'm Dave Juskow. And this is Billy Joel A to Z. Everybody and welcome to Billy Joel A to Z today talking about the song Blonde Over Blue. Blonde Over Blue is the third track off Billy's 12th and final studio album entitled River of Dreams released August 10th 1993. Not much more else to say about Blonde Over Blue except we head to the rankings. Christopher Bonanno's 2015 New York Magazine article Elon where does this non-classic song, Blonde Over Blue, fall out of 121 songs? I actually think Christopher Bonanos likes this song. I'm going to say it's 42. Burn! He hates this song. It's 96. <laughs> he says, nicely written first verse about being lonely at night, but it goes boring after that. Burn! Yeah, that's Bonanos a burn. Point. Yes, a Bonanos burn. <laughs> In the... Newsday article 2017, Glenn Gamboa, he ranks it at 62. He's, he likes it a little bit more. And the fans rank it at 83. People don't like this song. And you know what, Elon? I'm just going to tell you before you start anything. I've never heard this song in my life <laughs> before this week. <laughs> I mean, I probably have, but, you know, I didn't I didn't know it at all. When we saw the song, I'm like, Blonde Over Blue. I didn't even know it was on the River Dreams album. I love it. Me too. I'm so glad. This is a hidden gem. Yeah, uh, there it is. A hidden gem. But this I is what's great about the podcast is that we find songs like this that are so overlooked. And it's like, this is this is really good. Yeah, I, I agree 100 percent. And you're right. That is what we keep talking about. This is what's great about the podcast, finding these true hidden gems off, uh, especially the River of Dreams. I'm, you know, you would think this would be some a hidden gem off 52nd Street or something that I had never heard of. But yeah, I love it. But Elon. We have an issue again. We have a mod issue. Oh, no. You're not going to know, but I knew right away. And it is, there's no one in this audience that's going to say there's not a problem here. And is it's it another TV theme? Another no, TV no, theme ripoff? No, no, no. This is a genuine ripoff, and I recognized it right away. So I'm going to play for you the Billy Joel part, and then I'm going to play the ripoff, okay? Okay. Someday. Okay, you heard that part. Right. And you don't have any idea what song I'm going to right now unless you just saw it on my screen. I, did, I didn't see it on your screen, but I could try to guess because there was things that I thought that sounded like. All right, well, why don't you try and guess because I can't imagine you would ever know this song. Okay, well, I think that synth reminds me of You Got Lucky. Ooh. Interesting. Okay. Okay. That's a good one. That's a good one. 
That's one. I also think it reminds me of Scandinavian Skies. He has a similar synth thing on that song. Okay. So he's stealing okay. from himself. That's okay. Stealing from himself is completely acceptable. And the drum opening, if it's not about the synth, just that drum thing, uh, which I think is a, probably a common drum thing. It sounds a lot like a couple of early um, early Who covers. That's the way Keith Moon used to play the opening to a couple of very early songs. But like you said, that's a very common opening. So we don't have a problem with that. And of course, no. we don't have a problem with any of this. Anyway, I'm just pointing out that as soon as I heard this, I was like, wait a minute. I am a huge Cars fan. I made a movie called Turbocharge, which you can purchase off Amazon Prime if you are in the mood to uh, be angry at me after you see it. But other than that, uh, <laughs> uh, this song is one of my favorite Cars songs. It is called Touch and Go. And Elon, you tell me if I am crazy. Even the drum beat. Yeah, that is something. That they are very similar. <laughs> very similar. Yeah. Different, but similar. Is it? It's a little slower, maybe, but it it's it definitely sounds a lot alike. Does does the rest of the song also kind of stay it's in the same business. vein? No, no, not at all, not at all. No, it totally goes off after. I don't. Billy's is a little more rocking. Rick OK6 is a little it's a little more depressing. I still like the song, though, it, it, but it uh, I've always liked that song. It's off uh, an album, which is if you're a Cars fan, you love it's like a hidden gem album. It's called Panorama. It's the title song of Panorama. And it was like the only hit off Panorama, but it, it's not a big car song. But I always liked it because I like that opening synthesizer and it goes throughout the entire song. Yeah. Something about that, a synth like that is. I think me and you are on the same page. We like songs that have that kind of feel to it. Yeah, I'm not upset or anything. I like it. It was just as soon as I heard this song, I'm like, wait a minute. That's touch and go. It's totally touching. Is, is he kidding? What, what do you think? I'm not going to figure that out. Is he trying to is he trying to fool me? He's trying to pull one over on me. Doesn't he know you're the biggest Cars fan in the world? The only Apparently person who not. made a Cars biopic? Yeah, clearly he didn't realize that. He actually his his uh, vocals in this song, which you know are clearly inspired by Roy Orbison, but also in a way kind of have a Rick Ocasek. He's in that same kind of range as well. Rick Ocasek, Jack Bruce from Cream, they all have that. I don't know what you call it. Is that baritone or something? I don't know. Well, I I don't know because I wouldn't call Roy Orbison that, so that's why I, I would be confused by that there's, reference. There's a certain deepness to the way he sings the verses. Yeah, and but Roy Orbison doesn't have a deepness at all. He has the he has a, that rich the rich tones. I know you were taught. I know he had said this was like a Roy Orbison go but I'm I'm not buying it. I, I don't see it at all. I think it's more in the chorus where you hear the Roy Orbison. The changing of keys really fast. Okay, I can buy changing it. of octaves. I don't know music terms. Octaves, yeah, I know what you're talking. Octave, about, but, uh, but yeah, uh, maybe. But I'm surprised how much I enjoyed the song. I even like some of the lyrics, which are, "In hell, there's a big hotel where the bar is closed and the windows never open." I mean, that's fun. And then yeah, and then, there's of a TV, the, but you can't find the remote. Oh, that's yeah, that's the torture. <laughs> <laughs> really fun lyrics. No phone, so you can't call home. And the TV works, but the clicker is broken. He loves talking about the uh, TV and the tube and the and the broken clickers. And the <laughs> he loves television and he loves sleeping with the television on. How are you, folks? 
He, he is aging himself by calling the remote a clicker. Well, in 1994, I think maybe that's what it was called. If you were older. Well, in 1994, if that's around the same time that the Larry Sanders show was, I remember he was like, no flipping. That's true. Okay. Yeah. So I'm giving him a break here after I called him out on ripping off the Rick Ocasek. Uh, well, he says no flipping, not no clicking. It's the same thing. And remember, there was also an Adam Sandler movie called Click, I believe, about a remote clicker in the 90s so i'm gonna i'm gonna give him a pass on that one but a a besmirched mark on the ripping off of touch and go <laughs> which ripped off you got lucky not the drums but that's no i'm that trying to think sin. of the timeline i feel like you got lucky was later touch and go was 1980 oh, 1980 like, oh then yeah, yeah you got lucky came after that yeah they all ripped up ripped up ripped off rick okasic which was smart because like i said that's nobody knows that song except me so well done I mean, no, nobody's going to pick up that one or the Maud theme when they're listening to a Billy Joel album. So he's in the clear. This one has a little bit more credibility. It's a little cooler to yes. say, well, you know, I was inspired by a Cars song than I was inspired by watching hours and hours of Maud reruns. <laughs> That's what I would say if I wrote a song. Uh, How did you come up with this song? I don't know. Was, you know, I was watching Maud reruns. Anyway, uh, did you see the Shades of Grey documentary where they're, you know, putting this song together? Yeah, it's. It's fantastic, isn't it? It's fantastic. Where so there's a scene where Danny Kochmer, I think that's how you pronounce his name, who is the producer of this album after all those years of using Phil Ramone, where he's talking to him and Kochmer is going at him like they're having a no, 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 this you're doing it all wrong. Oh, you got to be kidding with this, which is great, right? He's like really letting Billy have it, and it's very entertaining to watch. Yeah, it's so cool to see the creation and to, you know, because you'll see a song is written by Billy Joel, but this way you get to see how much the producer can influence that also by changing how certain parts are played. Well, that was very interesting about the documentary in itself is because, and I don't know whether it had something to do with the documentary, but it seems that in Billy Joel's career, he had a song and the band kind of melded it together, even though he clearly wrote the song and lyrics, but the band helped kind of fix it and obviously Phil Ramone as well. But in this one, the producer, Danny Kutchmer, Kutchmer, whatever pronounce his name, Kutchmer. was the one who fixed, not the band, which is why he got rid of all the band members, which is why Liberty DeVito is still so angry about being dropped out of the final album. You can't blame him after all those years. And just, but you know, he wanted to go a different direction. He goes, well, I'm going to let somebody produce, actually produce the album and go for it and yell at me. And tell me what I'm doing wrong. Because remember, you had the, this is that album again. That was you had those Shelter Island sessions, and it wasn't working. So he redid everything. Right. Only one track on River of Dreams actually came from the Shelter Island sessions. Everything else was redone with Korchmar in the studio. Right. And so the producer convinced Billy to use all studio musicians for this, like he said. But here's what's interesting: Danny Korchmar is a guitarist, and he played guitar on all of these songs. So it feels like a conflict of interest. He was like, you know, it would be great is if you ditched your whole band and used studio musicians. Oh, by the way, I'm a studio musician. I guess I'll play guitar on this. It's just Perfect. like it's just like me booking a comedy show and then I put myself on. That is exactly what it is. Yeah, <laughs> it is. It is the producer of a comedy show giving themselves a sweet slot in the middle of the lineup. Yes. Very interesting. But there is a scene in that documentary where Billy Joel is 
right in Danny's face. He's up on top of him and he's really in his face, like standing over him. And there's this old SCTV sketch where Martin Short is playing Tim Burton and he's directing Titanic. And it's with it's so funny because it's just stupid. They're just doing a Tim Burton version of Titanic. And Martin Short is playing him and he is doing exactly what Billy Joel's doing to Danny Kutchmer in this documentary. And then they say, as it was, he's in everybody's face and he goes, and then Tim decides to do an impromptu dance to make the crew feel better, whatever. And, he, and that's what I expected Billy to do at this point, because he's really in his face yelling and screaming at him and doing these things. And if you turned off the sound, you'd be like, he's doing exactly what Martin Short was doing in the gag. And the gag reel, you know, <laughs> like it's it was really funny. If you get to see it, folks, it's really interesting. It's a good documentary anyway. But just the fact that they have such an intense look at a song like Blonde Over Blue, which isn't a hit, it was really good. Even what Christy Brinkley was saying about it. And she boy, what a wife and girlfriend. Can you pick somebody better? She's like she's explaining how the song works. Where are you going to find a wife like that? She seems like she loves the song and she's talking about how it's so like schizophrenic and, you know, you have these like lyrics that are really dark and, and everything. And then it goes to these, this release in the chorus. And that, that is what the song is like. It's amazing to hear somebody's wife who's not a musician talking about that. I mean, if his wife was Stevie Nicks, we could say like, oh, well, that's so cool. She gets it. But this is just a model and an artist. I She did the cover and everything. It's pretty good. But it's so amazing. And then and then because then she says blonde over blue, it's it's kind of about me, you know, because that's <laughs> what I thought it was. And so I'm glad that she meant, you know, the blonde hair, blue eyes. I mean, that's that's the first thing I thought of. But, yeah, the way she describes the song is just as good as hearing Danny Kutchmer talk about it. It's weird. What's also cool is in that interview segment, you can see the gigantic diamond on her on her finger. Did you notice oh, that? Oh, yes. I noticed that right away. Yeah. <laughs> Man, Billy did everything he could to save this marriage. And it, it dissolved like a year later after that documentary was filmed. What happened? I don't know. She was such a cheerleader for him, too. I don't know. He must have done something. He must have done something wrong. It must be all him. Although, if you think about Christy Brinkley, uh, you know, if you have four husbands or more and Peter Cook left her, too, I, maybe, I guess it's her. <laughs> no, we'll have to get her on the show and ask her. Yes, we're going to have to get her on the I bet you she would do it. She seems really cool. There's obviously something we're missing, but uh, we'll get to the bottom of it. Wouldn't we'll get her on for, for the Christy Lee episode. Right. And then we'll be like, listen, why'd you guys break up? <laughs> well, if you really want the real scoop, I've been waiting for this podcast to let you in on it. Yeah. <laughs> we just hated each other. <laughs> That'd be awesome. One thing that I really liked in the documentary was when Billy's trying to, when he's talking to the producer about the song, he uses placeholder lyrics for Blonde Over Blue and he says, ba, 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 boo. And I was like, is he just a big Stern fan? <laughs> yeah. He's like, ba, ba, booey. Ba, ba, booey. I like that too. Of course, I always like when they're just the filler lyrics are my favorite, like the motorcycle song. And of course, I, I guess it's like he, he doesn't want he knew that th at first I thought, well, maybe he hadn't even written the title of the song yet and just had the tune in his head. But I don't think that's what it was. I think he just didn't want to keep saying blonde over blue. So oh, was, I actually thought it was the opposite way. But it is fun when you watch him play the synthesizer, when you're watching him play that part. I do like the song very much. Yeah. And that live the version in that documentary, they show them playing like about three minutes of a live version in the studio, which sounds a lot like the final studio version. But the drummer, Zach Alford, is really killing it on the drums more so than on the, the version that made it onto the album. I agree. It's really cool. Also, he has that scene where he was talking about that this 
there this was uptown girl originally yeah yeah and that was interesting the way he put it uh, well it actually sounds like this but it's kind of funny because it really doesn't until he mentioned it you don't notice it but it's funny he should be like well actually this is touch and go from the cars that's what he should have been saying all right we'll let that go let's move on yeah well he didn't say it didn't make it into the final uptown girl it was just in an original version of uptown girl the that 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 was part of it that led into the the ooos into the right pretty cool yeah it was very cool it's always cool to see something like that always way cool uptown girl had that in it but before it was uptown girl it went So an interesting thing about this song is that he does not play it live very much. It's the 94th most played song for Billy Joel. He's only played it 10 times. And every single one of those performances was between 2013 and 2015. That's odd. What that means is. Yeah. What does that mean? He played 85 shows on his River of Dreams tour and never played this song. That's weird. That's really weird. And it's a good song. I wonder why. I wonder if it's, is it a difficult one to sing the way the octaves do change? Is it just something that he didn't want to get into live? Still, even in 94, he should have been able to handle that. I, I don't know. That's odd. And then why pick it up again in 2013 and 2015? I guess that's what happens. Was he at the garden by then? Yeah, there were some garden shows where he played it and then uh, some no, other was random he places. With the residency then? When did the residency start? I don't know. I think it started later. I'm just curious, you know, once you get to the residency, he's like, let's go over some of the tunes we never play because, you know, I need I need new stuff. <laughs> That's the fun thing about somebody like Billy Joel with these hidden gems. You actually have new material from old material to choose from that, you know, like, well, we never play this. So this will be new. In fact, he could probably tell people the people that go to that concert, if you're in your 20s, you could be like, all right, this is a new one. And people would be like, oh, I love that new song, Blonde Over Blue. <laughs> yeah. could fool us. There's one video of from the audience at MSG when he's playing one of these live shows, um, one of the 10 performances of this song. And the whole crowd, you can see the tops of their heads. They're, they don't know what it is, so they're not doing anything. But there's one guy who is just going crazy for it. Like You can tell he's like a diehard fan. He's got his hands in the air, and he's, like, he's singing along to all the lyrics. And everyone around him is sort of just like, okay, all right. I saw that. That was actually Rick Ocasek. <laughs> I don't know whether you noticed. It's what uh, killed him, actually. He was so excited about this song, he had a heart attack. Yeah. <laughs> well, folks, it is time for the trivia portion of our show. Dave, do you have a good stumper for me? I've got one for you today, Elon. Interestingly, Rick Ocasek and Billy Joel appeared on a Disney album together entitled Simply Mad About the Mouse. Which classic song on that album, classic Disney song, did Billy Joel sing? I thought your question was going to be, which mouse was that album about? <laughs> Too easy. 50-50 <laughs> shot. But it was about Mighty Mouse, ironically. Oh, man. How'd they get the rights to that? <laughs> which classic Disney song did Billy Joel sing? Skidamarinky Dinky Dink. <laughs> Okay, I don't know what that is. If you're making some sort of <laughs> joke about this, I don't find it funny. We're having a serious conversation about an unknown song. No, it's a classic. It's it's the end all greatest Disney song ever that they use as their moniker for whenever they have an opening credits. When, when with the castle and then the thing goes across. That's right. 
What's that called, though? It's like the dreams that you wish will come true. That song. Yes, but it's called, I mean, Jesus Christ, Elon. It's called When You Wish Upon a Star. My God. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Pinocchio. It's is from it? Pinocchio. Yes, I think I believe it is. Right, because Jiminy Cricket sings it, right? Yeah. Anyway, it's an awful version. It sounds too much like All My Life, but it has a good aha take on me video to it, which is quite nice if you want to take a look at it, folks. However, the Rick Ocasek song, which is Zippity Doodah, is fantastic. Oh, that's what I was thinking of when I said Skiddy Marinky Dink. That's, I don't think that's even a Disney song. I was thinking of Zippity Doodah. That's Doo-Dah. what you were thinking of was <laughs> yeah. Skiddy Marinky. Well, that, why do you think I was mocking you? Skiddy Marinky Dink. It's another kid's song with stupid lyrics. It's like Zippity Doodah. Okay. Well, anyway, the Zippity Doodah, the Rick Ocasek version is unbelievable. It's fantastic. And there's a whole video for all the people that are on it, but it they're very much like all like aha take on me videos. But the Rick Ocasek one is ten times better. The Billy Joel one's not very good. And like I said, it sounds like all my life to me. So I had a lot of trouble with it. When we do our Disney A to Z podcast, you know, we could talk about that zippity doodah right at the end of, of the whole thing. Right. Okay. Let's do that. All right. Let's just move on. Oh, by the way, the, I don't know whether you know you probably didn't see it. There's a band in New Hampshire that are at a bar called the flying monkey. The there's a cars tribute band and a Billy Joel tribute band that are playing together. Like tonight, the, the cars tribute band is called Panorama, which is the name of the album touch and go. And the Billy Joel tribute band is called cold spring Harbor. And they're getting together tonight. One time only to play. So there is a connection somehow between the cars and Billy Joel. That's pretty cool. If one night can, only if by the time you listen to this, this concert will have already happened. Well, they well, it might be so successful. Who knows? They might play again. It's going to be like when Elton John and Billy Joel did their tours together. This is going to be cover bands going off together. What is your trivia question today? And it better not be any nonsense. So I was listening back to a couple like a, you give me drifters questions and a whole bunch of nonsense. I want to hear a good trivia question today. That's what people want. They want they want these trivia questions to be a little bit out of left field, but still related to the song. OK, talking about what Disney song Billy Joel sang has nothing to do with Blonde Over Blue. Yes, but there's a Rick Ocasek, Billy Joel connection. And I think it was an excellent trivia question. You stink. It's like four degrees away from this song. And I'm also mad because I didn't get it. And I couldn't even name a Disney song. It is kind of sad. I'm going to have to book a flight to Orlando right after we're done recording. Immerse myself in the culture. Every movie opens like Yeah, it's so easy. I just, uh, I guess I watch movies for adults. Maybe that's the difference. Oh, you know what? You're absolutely right. You got me there. That's what it is. I do the opposite. Well, I have a great trivia question for you. Danny Korchmar, the producer and guitarist on this track, has worked extensively with many great artists like James Taylor, Carole King, Don Henley, Neil Young, John Bon Jovi, and Stevie Nicks. But he also wrote songs for which Cheech and Chong movie? Wow. Uh, well, well, hmm. thinking about his age and what time he was doing, I'm just going to, I'm going to say the first one up in smoke. That's correct. Oh, sweet. Yeah. I just went with the logical. And I know there is a song in that Cheech plays a song in a tutu in a guitar. I wonder if that was the song that he wrote. He wrote a few songs on the soundtrack, but yeah, I figure it would be that one to get a Danny Kortman because the other movies were not great. Cheech and Chong's next movie. Cheech and Chong's Nice Dreams, the Corsican Brothers. These are not classics. 
But those guys were the best. I've only seen Up in Smoke. It was a good movie. It's the only one you need to see. It's a classic. Well, as you guys know, every week we do a parody of the Billy Joel song in the Weird Al style, which we call the Weird Alon Parody Corner. And today's Weird Alon song is, instead of Blonde Over Blue, No Soup For You. I like it already, actually. Because you're a Seinfeld fan. You get it. I am. Yeah. All right. Here we go. No soup for you. You talked in line. You touched the counter. No soup for you. You pushed your luck and asked for free bread. Those are the rules. You can't have any jambalaya. No soup for you. You're banned for one year. To me, you are dead. Hey, now. I love it. I love that one. (laughs) Finally, one I can understand. That's a great one. You get no bread. No soup for you. Por favor. (laughs) Adios, muchacho. (laughs) Well done. That was a good one. Yeah, that was a good one. I didn't think you'd be able to come up with something for this one. And I think I I channeled my Roy Orbison in that. So you, you could definitely hear the warble. Oh, absolutely. You know, I realized that No Soup for You also could be, uh, we could have used this parody for a different song. Well, let me let me sing a little bit of that for you. No, 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 no soup for you. You talked in line and touched the counter. <laughs> the rest of it sucks. But. Oh, boy. <laughs> well, folks, that was Blonde Over Blue. If you like our podcast, be sure to give us a rating and a nice review. We release new episodes every Tuesday and Thursday, so make sure you hit subscribe so you never miss a single song. Follow us on social media at BillyJoelAtoZ and give us some feedback. Do you also think this is a hidden gem? Do you hear the similarity to Touch and Go by the Cars? What's your favorite soup? Until next time, I'm Alon Altman. And I'm Dave Juskow. And this is Billy Joel A to Z. 